0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome back. It's really good to have you. We've been talking lately on a number of our podcasts about the importance of measurements, ROIs, metrics, and so forth. And one of the topics we've talked about frequently is customer lifetime value, customer retention, and so forth. And so I'm excited to have Valentin Radu with me today um, to talk about that subject, as well as all kinds of other subjects we have in mind for talking about customer experience. So Valentin, welcome to the podcast and please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Hello there. It's really great being here. Thanks a lot for having me, Bob. I'm uh, Valentin Radu. I'm coming from uh, Bucharest, Romania. I'm uh, passionate about uh, customer lifetime value. I'm an export kid from here, from Bucharest, Romania. Uh, I've uh, built four companies so far, and nowadays, uh, since 10 years already, I'm running OmniConvert, which is a company which is focused on data-driven growth. We've started initially by helping e-commerce and retailers to improve their conversion rates, and then we've uh, built another product which is focused on customer lifetime value. I've learned the ins and outs of uh, 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 data-driven growth by being an e-commerce entrepreneur myself. So I built an eight-figure company and then I sold it. And after that, I've, uh, I've got into this uh, journey of helping other companies uh, nail uh, the, the e-commerce growth as I'm, uh, I've been also frustrated. And I think that uh, it's, uh, it was a good, good decision because nowadays we are helping hundreds of uh, retailers to, to level up their game.
0: I, I love Valentine the way you said, uh, you've built four companies so far. I think that's an indication of a good entrepreneur that's always looking for the next, the next challenge. Um, and, I, and we also love when, uh, our guests are internationally based and can give us such a great perspective of what's happening in other parts of the, of the world. And in this case, especially in Europe. So Valentine, how did you? do this how did you become an entrepreneur that that started four companies how did you get into the customer experience space tell us a little bit about uh in more detail your background and how you arrived at what you're doing today
1: yeah of course so bob i've been uh, very poor right so ba- basically suffering led me to to change things because if you don't change things you will have the same results right so i've been uh, uh, struggling to make ends meet i've been uh, uh, Building my, fork, my first company uh, to provide internet uh, service in my neighborhood back in Bucharest. So I've turned that company from being uh, uh, having $85 a month, that was my salary at that moment. In two years after launching the company, we were making 40,000 euro in. Uh, Uh, In Reven, so basically, I've I've learned, I've I've been blessed with this opportunity to ride this wave. The the demand was there, and I've uh, I've basically uh, had this opportunity to grow this company thanks to the demand. After that company, I've sold it. After the exit, I've invested all my money and lost all my money by uh, building an agency to provide. Uh, to build websites and brand identity to to companies it was way too early in the market it it was 2005 but i've uh, had a customer and uh, basically i've uh, teamed up with that customer and we've built what turned out to become the largest online car insurance player in here so basically we've uh, we've helped uh, people it was a B2C, it was an e-commerce. We've helped people to, to buy their insurance online. And we've got that company to 14 million. And uh, I've learned a lot about it because we were making a lot of money, but we weren't profitable. And due to the frustration, I've started to look at the mechanics of growth. And I've said after wasting my life in Google Analytics, I realized that, hey, the reason that we're losing money is because we are not understanding our own business model proper, properly. And we were looking only at the visitor behavior. And at some point I've started to uh, do surveys on the customers to find out why they are not buying. And they were using our product, our website, only to find out which are the best uh, insurance company. And they were buying those uh, from their websites on, uh, or uh, directly from their uh, points of presence in the offline. And then I've started to to to, to test you know, to do A-B testing. So I've built what turned out to to become this uh, software as a service uh, tool. So basically, this is the the, the ancestor of our current uh, software tool was uh, built at that moment. So I've realized that conversion rate and customer lifetime value are very, very important to to, uh, level up any company. So basically, based on this uh, e-commerce growth formula that I've understood, I've uh, improved our business by 60% after uh, uh, year over year. So basically, it was even though we were uh, flatlining for two years, we were stuck. We've, I've managed to change completely the direction. So after that, I've uh, built this new company called OmniConvert. We focused first on A-B testing and helping companies to do conversion rate optimization. And since 2019, we focused, we, uh, after analyzing uh, uh, what the customers really wanted from us. We've decided that customer value optimization is what we should be going after because it was a new market for us. And we are we are seeing right now that the, the demand is nine times higher than last year. So basically, if you go on Google AdWords and look at the trends, nine times more people are searching for customer lifetime value than last year because the customer acquisition costs are through, through the roof and companies are now in this position to Keep more customers coming because otherwise you are you are barely breaking even or you're losing money
0: so Valentin, tell me a little bit more about this because customer lifetime value was very popular ten or fifteen years ago. It was everybody everybody in marketing was talking about it. We really were talking about customer experience back then that wasn't a phrase we were using. Uh, and you said it's because acquisition costs are through the roof, but is there more that's changed as to why companies are coming back to lifetime value? Because one of the complaints, I don't know if it's a complaint is the right word, but one of the complaints about lifetime value is it's very difficult to calculate. So two questions there. Is there more to it than just the high acquisition costs that are bringing people back to it? And secondly, how do you address this issue of it it's very difficult to calculate?
1: Yes. So the, the the reason why more companies are now being forced is that indeed the customer acquisition costs are, are higher. And on the other hand, there are more players addressing the same eyeballs, the same audiences. So we, we've seen that what happened uh, when pandemic started, most of the traditional companies migrated through the digital and they've made a lot of investments because they could afford it. And on the other hand, a lot of uh, e-commerce companies uh, suddenly started to, to show up. So we, we've we looked at uh, the the statistics from Shopify and it looks like uh, uh, something like 40% of the companies that are now active as e-commerce weren't uh, active pre-2021. So that means the market is suddenly way more higher, more competition, higher customer acquisition cost. And what happened at the same time is that uh, iOS 15 showed up, Uh, third-party cookies are gone, GDPR, and uh, CDPA, and all all that dance. So those things forced companies to become more aware about how much they are uh, spending to acquire a customer, and they also realized that now that they can't break even on the first purchase, they should be looking at how much it takes for them to break even, and that's uh, named uh, customer acquisition cost payback, period. Uh, Moreover, Customer lifetime value was what they should be now uh, measuring. Indeed, is uh, it, it's hard to nail it, but we've built a technology that is doing this automatically. So basically, uh, the formula of customer lifetime value should take into account the customer churn, the purchase yeah, frequency. Uh, can you still hear me? No. Moreover, we are seeing that companies are not uh, aware about their customer lifetime value due to these, uh, let's say, challenges to, to measure it and to calculate it. We've built a technology exactly for that because there are many ways to interpret customer lifetime value. But the beauty of it is that it's not that hard once you have the data at your fingertips. And we did these integrations with uh, uh, Shopify, with Vtex, with uh magento and other uh, custom built platforms so that we can do this automatically and the formula of customer lifetime value should take into account the uh, purchase frequency the average margin per customer down the line so and also the customer uh, uh, churn so which is one over one one minus the customer retention rate just to get a bit into the math but you don't have to know this what you have to do is to uh, either use a proper finance guy which gets marketing as well, and also or you can use a tool such as such as ours. so at this moment, what we are seeing is that companies are becoming way more aware about the fact that they need these kind of uh, tools to do this because they are either overspending to acquire customers that never come back, either underspending to uh, and they are not grabbing the the uh, they are not capturing the market which is there for for them. And as Jeff Bezos uh, said at some point, the one which is winning the market is the one which is uh, affording to pay the most to acquire that customer.
0: Right. And and you know so often um, companies and organizations collect data, but they don't know what to do with it. How do you help organizations organize the data? So. Let's say I am I'm an organization I have all the data you're you're asking about or talking about but I don't know what to do with it. How do you help companies do that?
1: Yeah, so we've built a program to train them. So it's called the CVO Academy and I'm also writing a book about it which is called The CLV Revolution and if you want to uh, pre-order it or read the first chapter, you go to uh, www.theclvrevolution.com. So education is the thing that we are doing for companies besides the technology. Uh, another way to help them is to, we provide them with this uh, initial onboarding and we do a matchmaking between them and agencies which are vouched by us to provide this type of customer value optimization services. So basically that's uh, that's how we help them out. And uh, uh, another important thing to, to understand, Bob, here is that uh, there are three pillars of customer value optimization, right? So if you want to increase the customer lifetime value, you have these three pillars. Is what you sell as a company, which means the products that you're selling, the merchandising, how many, how diverse, what is the quality of those products? What kind of products are you pushing? What kind of products are more sticky than the others in terms of uh, uh, having customers coming back if they start by buying this SKU over another one? The second pillar of customer value optimization is what you say, meaning uh, the the marketing, right? So how you are promoting, what kind of customers you are acquiring, what kind of products are you pushing, what kind of follow-ups, remarketing, uh, drip campaigns, onboarding campaigns you are running. And third and not the least, by all means, is customer experience. What you do, what kind of customer journey, what kind of treatment are you offering the to your customers? So all of those three pillars can be measured. Yeah, you can understand if, you are not having your customers coming back. You can benchmark yourself uh, uh, against other companies which are selling the same thing that you do. And you can see if you have a problem with the uh, products that you're selling or if you have a pro- problem with the marketing or if you have a problem with the customer experience uh, itself. So that's how we help them level up their, uh, their game.
0: Valentine, well, I, mean, I think those are really important pillars. I want to emphasize those for our listeners. Uh, what you sell, what you say, and what you do. I I love it because they're um, direct, they're succinct, and they're easy to remember as pillars for customer experience professionals to understand what makes up each of those three components of the organization's products and services.
1: That's right. Yeah. It's... uh it's it's simple and it's beautiful and it's easy to understand by, by anyone because if you want to have customers coming back, the, the most important thing is no amount of marketing is going to fix a broken product. So it's clear that the products that you're selling, and of course, that's not only in e-commerce, it's in services too. It's in software as a service as well. So if your products are fulfilling the needs, right? So if you are delivering the value through your products, your chances to have customers coming back and become brand ambassadors are higher. Now, in this market where you can find the same products everywhere, let's say, look at the grocery retailers, look at the electronics providers, look at the uh, airline tickets, right? So you can find the same products pretty much everywhere. on other websites as well. So you can differentiate if, the, if you have the parity over the products, if the quality is there, you can differentiate through the services that you are providing. It's what you do, which is the customer experience, right? So basically, if you treat your customers better, if you're more relevant, if you have this concierge approach, if you, are, if you know how to make them feel good about the, the, the products that they've bought, if you instruct them on how to extract the value from the products that you're selling, then you can have, you can provide them a, high, a better customer experience and the chances for them to come back are higher as well. Now, and last but not the least, it's in the marketing. So because if you're selling a product for the first time to a customer, you are selling the promise of a better future, right? Your products are like a bridge between uh, a bad state of uh, reality and a better, a brighter future. So if you know the desired outcome, of the customers that you are addressing with your products, and if you know the jobs to be done with your products, then your marketing is going to be way more compelling, way more relevant. And having a customer which is, uh, buys only once is not like having a customer. You 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 basically have someone which was testing you out. But if you, you if the average purchase frequency for the products that you're selling is like let's say in like in cosmetics it's three point five. So any customer that buys a cream or whatever from the cosmetics. Uh, places 3.5 orders. If you look at this benchmark and if you're selling, if your uh, purchase frequency is only 1.9 or 2.5 or whatever, if you're below the average, you are not doing the right thing either with your products, either with your marketing. So that's how uh, customer value optimization works. And of course, to, to know all of this, to fix all of this, you need to know your customers. And that's why I'm a big fan of customer segmentation. So segmenting your customers will allow you to see which are your best customers, why they are buying, what they are buying, what it, what makes them coming back to buy over and over again. And knowing your ideal customers is way better than building those fictional buyer personas because you know your real customers, right? And any customer, any company has those ideal customer profiles. It's just that most of the companies simply don't know who their best customers are and why they are buying. And that means they are shooting in the dark with their marketing campaigns because they are not nailing the, the right messaging. For instance, they are, uh, they they keep on pouring money on ads, diversifying the creatives without knowing, hey, our best customers are buying, I don't know, these creams because the fact that they want to uh, feel, uh, young again, let's say, you are selling these uh, these creams, and if you look at your best customers, and you look at their age, and how they are explaining why they are buying again, then voila, you have the jobs to be done. Feel young again, thanks to our cream, which contains whatever, uh, sheep milk from New Zealand, or whatever that (laughs) is, right?
0: Right. So, uh are you segmenting customers based on revenue, on purchasing patterns? What what have, what have you seen that makes the most sense in terms of segmentation?
1: Yeah, in retail and in e-commerce, it's that thing which comes all the way from the seventies, if you can imagine, Bob. It's called RFM: recency, frequency, monetary value. They've been using this segmentation method so that they can save money because it was expensive, you know, when you were doing direct marketing, direct mailing back in the 70s, it was expensive to print out the letters, the envelopes, the shipment of those messages. It was expensive. So they wanted to focus on the right customers. And with the RFM, RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. With RFM, you can understand that the the customers that bought most recently, they are more uh, open to buying again. So basically, those are your usual suspects. Then if you have been uh, have a high frequency, again, the chances to come back are higher. And if you have a high monetary, you have a higher chance to come back. But if you have high recency, let's say you've bought these creams, to continue this example, in the last 30 days, you've bought five times already and your monetary value based on the lifetime value is among the highest, the, the, the best customers that you have, Because you have tiers of customers, right? You have scores from one to three, one to five. And if you have high recency, high frequency, high monetary value, then you are among the soulmates, like we call them, the the best customers that you have. Now, if you have low recency, the lowest recency, one out of five, and the highest frequency, five and five, out of uh, from the frequency and the, for the monetary value, you are an ex lover right so you are an ex loyal customer Now, the problem with the company is that they they broadcast the same message to everyone they they run these discount campaigns to everyone they run this uh, reactivate, uh, the, this uh, re engagement campaigns they onboard everyone the same but with the RFM, you can suddenly understand the relationship that you have with those customers according to. When they've bought, what they've bought, how many times they've bought, and what's their monetary value. So having this at your disposal will allow you to become way more relevant with your email, with your ads, and with your website as well. Because those are the main channels that companies are using to to leverage their, uh, to improve their customer lifetime value. And we basically built a technology exactly for this. So we automatically calculate lifetime value. We automatically calculate the uh, and segment the customers. And then we push this data to uh, email uh, providers, to Facebook ads, to Google, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Yeah. So the beauty of RFM is that it can be uh, leveraged way better nowadays when we have these uh, uh, digital channels and where it's, when is it th- so cheap? So we have a company, for instance, which is selling furniture. They've uh, increased their uh, return on ad spend by 62% by using the RFM segmentation against Facebook's uh, default segmentation.
0: I I mean, Valentin, there's another flashback term, RFM. I remember being in direct marketing a number of years ago and that's all we talked about was RFM. And I guess uh, we might call it something different these days, but some of the old ways of doing things still ring true today. And RFM is an excellent, I I just have been smiling since you've been talking about this. It just remains an excellent way to segment customers and we should do it. And maybe direct marketers do that, but other organizations could benefit from doing the same thing that would help drive their customer lifetime value.
1: That's right. And uh, again, Bob, the the idea is that knowing this will make you a better marketer will make you aware about which are the products which are being bought by your most loyal customers. And it's going to transform the entire organization. And the the reason why many companies are not doing this already is that unfortunately in bigger companies, the politicians are running the show, right? Because there are those fantastic leaders which are persuasive, which are full of uh, trust, right? They are are good leaders, but they they are not data-driven. And they don't understand all of those things. And that's why we are seeing those agile direct-to-consumer companies like Allbirds, like uh, Culture, Culture Kings, Kings like, like all sorts of companies which are starting uh, from the digital world and now they are going offline, right? They they build their stores, their shops, they have this they, uh, uh, bricks and mortar presence. And basically what's happening is that yeah. they are customer-centric and data-driven. And by that, I mean that Their reporting is around things like customer lifetime value, net promoter score, RFM transitions, knowing how many loyal customers you acquired, informing the product teams around which are the products that make uh, your best customers come back and buy again. Those type of things must be understood by the decision uh, makers. And those traditional companies are now endangered by the fact that they don't get what kind of goldmine they have in their own customer data.
0: This is um, this has been a great conversation, Valentin. I, I just think some of what you're working on is so outstanding and so needed because that all drives the customer experience, right? That's what we're talking about: is how does it drive the customer experience? And and the work that you're doing is doing just that. Um, one thing I wanted to circle back with you on, you mentioned early on in the discussion that you you train customers as well. Could you talk a little bit about the academy you mentioned?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Bob, back in 2021, we decided that we can't do this anymore without, let's say, Uh, repeating uh, repeating ourselves with any customer which was using our software. And we we teamed up with some heavy hitters in the space. So we teamed up with Bob Mesta, which is the pioneer of the jobs to be done methodology, helping companies to understand why customers are buying. So what's the psychological reason behind a certain uh, purchase decision? We teamed up with Carl Gillis, which is one of the leaders in customer experience. We teamed up with Dennis Yu, with uh, uh, which is an authority in uh, customer acquisition, uh, we teamed up with the, uh, all, all of those great minds right so in total, there are eight leaders uh, uh, among them is Val Geisler, which is the uh, chief evangelist at Clavio, the email marketing uh, system provider. so we build this course of sixteen hours of content where we take the uh, companies from not knowing anything about customer centricity, customer experience, customer lifetime value, to being in the known, certifying the, them at the end because they have these assessments at the end so that they become CVO experts. And then based on this experience in the CVO Academy, they are in a position to change their jobs, to to, to make a, a more impact into their organizations. For instance, we have an organization that uh, got 50 of their people being certified. So that's a lot of people which are now talking the same language. So imagine that you have the merchandising team, you have the customer experience team, and you have the marketing team from that organization understanding what's RFM, what's customer experience, how to leverage the net promoter score, how to understand which are your best selling products, not only from the sales, but the future uh, lifetime value that they generate. So now if they have the same definitions and those companies are... Moving the needle, because, for instance, one of those companies, they have their NPS is 92, right? So imagine this, 92, then they are starting, they started from 58 uh, back in the days. So that means you can reach internal alignment by having this education, because unfortunately, the uh, academic uh, environment is not keeping up the pace with this new digital uh, Technologies and ways to interpret and leverage the, the, the data. So that's what we do with the CVO Academy. And we also have an introductory course, which is completely free. So anyone which is interested in that, you can go to CVO Academy. That's dot Academy.com and you can get it uh, from, from there.
0: Valentin, oh, thank you. And this has been a great session. Um, time just goes by so quickly when we're talking about these important aspects. I really want to thank you for joining our podcast today. And um, uh, you, you just mentioned the Academy. Uh, how is it uh, best for listeners if they want to learn more about convert to get in touch with you?
1: Yes, I'm a LinkedIn person and I'm always responding to direct messages. So connect with me, ask me anything you need. Follow me. I'm posting every day. We also have a, a nice newsletter. I, I'm stubborn, and for the last 18 months, I've been writing our newsletter every single week. And uh, you can you can uh, find more on our blog. omniconvert.com slash blog. You can uh, subscribe to our newsletter, and I'll be glad to to uh, to be able to help you guys. And uh, I want to address something, Bob. The last two words from my end. Yes, please. If you are listening to this. Congrats. You're amazing because you're educating yourself. I'm an I'm, I'm a expert kid from Bucharest, Romania. All that I've been able to build was thanks to my curiosity and in being del- uh, in, into this uh, deliberate practice. So being curious and applying this kind of principle. So kudos for you for listening to this. And uh, congrats, Bob, for, uh, for making this podcast happen
0: thank you valentine it's it's uh that's great words of wisdom um i really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners because you're right the whole concept is continuous education and learning and and you certainly have touched on that so um thank you very much uh, we've really appreciated it valentine And uh, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Esmond. If you've enjoyed this episode with Valentin Radu, please uh, share it with your networks. And as always, stay tuned for another edition of this podcast, as well as my other fellow podcasters on the CXFM radio network. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX.